Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests bring you leading-edge astrology conversations through a journey of soul growth patterns connecting astrology's energetic cycles. Get ready to understand your path in the cosmic roots of the stars. Hello, and thank you for joining Talk Cosmos Insightful Conversations. Today is the beginning of the month. It's October 1st, and it is Planet Buzz, our panel all about the eclipses that are staring us straight on starting who knows when, but probably soon, if not now. And the first one will be, yes, it's, it's hitting right now. It's in the middle of the month on the 14th of October, the solar one. All this information will come up ahead because I have lots of slides and I have wonderful panelists that know all kinds of extra things. But the second one after that, when the moon is eclipsed, will be on the 28th at the very end of the month. It's a potent time. The nodes are hanging straight on the same degree as of several days ago, 24 degrees with Eris, the, not necessarily the discord. She gets a bad rap. Stories linger and language lasts for a long time with the power of words are amazing. But let's get back to the fact. She was all about, hey, who, who's being excluded? Her. <laughs> Meaning, it's not just her. She's representational. This is God talk in the mythology sense. And it means that for me, it's, well, it's not just me, it's inclusivity and exclusivity, which is pretty broad, right? Okay, with all that said, and we're going to listen to a whole lot more, we are now ready for Planet Buzz. Focusing on perspectives of pattern planet cycle relationships and understanding their archetypal energy consciousness, reflecting through history, current events, mythology, and philosophical questions, these are the members of Planet Buzz. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, collaborating with guests weekly since 2018. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, consultant, workshop facilitator, and lecture speaker. I'm a Dwarf Planet University graduate, charter member of Kepler Astrology Toastmaster Club. I have an AA degree and a fine arts music degree in jazz. I'm a certified color energy life coach, a writer, artist, musician, and ardent mythologist, a student of esoteric philosophies and life. And I'm Dr. Laura Todd, holding a PhD in human science. I'm a spiritually oriented psychological astrologer with students and clients worldwide. As a counselor, writer, and educator, I love helping people recognize their inner strengths, take advantage of auspicious moments, and navigate times of challenge with greater ease. I firmly believe in supporting people of all ages to actualize their full potential. While I have many tools, techniques, and modalities from which I pull, my clients are the ones who implement and embody the insights and changes I have to offer. On my own podcast, Mythic Sky Storytime, I discuss astrology, mythology, and actualizing our full potential. And as the ancient Hermetic Code reveals, As below, so above. As above, so below. Last but hardly ever least is Rick Levine, who we're really pleased to have join us. And I might say that in the same breath, Leslie was unable to join. But let's find out about Rick, which we all know. He's many things. He's a quantum 
astrologer among a planetary astrologer. And he's a world-renowned astrologer, scholar, author, international speaker. And the amazing factor is he bridges astrology, spirituality, science, and these paradoxes. Religion, the head and the heart that need to be unified anyway. That's the idea. That's the goal. We've heard him on his weekly, not weekly, but monthly. Well, it's weekly if you do Patreon. He has Patreon, his YouTube teachings. And, of course, sort of revamp the horoscope, the sun horoscope. People listen on tarot.com and many other millions for 20 years. On a very uh, other factors is a founding trustee of Kepler College, the astrology online school that was voted number one some years back. He he, he co-founded StarIQ.com with Jeff Jower, his partner of astrological crime <laughs> and joy of many years, and an author and a CD. You can read all this for our podcast people of Quantum Astrology, a wonderful CD about sacred mysteries. Actually, that's the title. I'm stumbling here a little bit, but... Rick was awarded several notary uh, recognitions of the community at large. Recently, relatively recently, 2018, the International Astrologer of the Year at Krishnamurti Institute of Astrology's 28th International Astrology Conference in Kolkata, India. And in, a year later in 2019, Fomalhaut, I always have trouble with that Royal Star, which is one of the four, award for astrological excellence in Istanbul. I think I went to Laura. So we are very happy. <laughs> Rick, I think, where did I lose you? I'm here. Happy to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes. And here we have Dr. Tad's info, but you can find all this on the website. Let's get to eclipses. I like this quote by Victor Hugo. Now just read it. They are, well, I added, they are transitional points. It's a new moon, but it's a transitional point. Nations like stars are entitled to eclipse. All is well, provided the light returns and the eclipse does not become endless night, which I'm sure was a big fear back when, prehistoric. Dawn and resurrection are synonymous. The reappearance of the light is the same as the survival of the soul. I found that pretty invigorating. Yay, team. Okay. If you have comments, join. From here on, I'm, any thoughts? But it's pretty general. There's two types. Solar eclipse It's within 12 degrees of the nodes. That's the lunar nodes. And for the lunar eclipse, which is a full moon, it's within 18 degrees. It's pretty scant then, hard to see. And we'll get into that, but that's how it is. So with this, now Rick was on January 1st, and I believe then two of people are listening back. Various ones of these podcasts, YouTubes, give ideas of what the types. There are many types whether it's nerdy or whether that's helpful. But the fact is, there are definitely two eclipses, the sun and the moon. The lights go out. 
But with a solar eclipse, the moon, its proximity blocks the sun from view. This is a nice diagram. You can find a lot of this on NASA, Space Edge, such as this, um, Earth, Sky. Of the four types, this particular one's an annular versus the total or the partial, which pretty much state what they are. And the annular is when the distance of the moon is a little bit further from Earth. So it, the, the, around the perimeter, there's this gorgeous ring of fire, which is going to happen. It's, and the hybrid is where, depending where you are on Earth, it looks like one or the other. That's pretty quick explanation. But we want to get to the chart and the talk rather than this. But a highlight here is Venus and Mars are the lunar nodal rulers of Aries and Libra currently. Venus, though, is ruling both of these eclipses, Libra and Taurus. And Libra also rules the south node. Libra will be on the 14th, as I was saying, in two weeks. And the later will be just before Halloween on the 28th. But Mars is ruling the North Node. And for both, eclipses will be conjunct at a lunar node. And that's important. Here's the chart. We, I listed some of the highlights that we've talked about and listed for those that are able to see it on YouTube, the, the planets. And, and I just stuck up in the top that they're Ptolemy aspects and the red are where it's squares or half squares. And there's more. This is just what my computer happened to generate. So on with the force of the eclipse conversation. Anybody, I guess one place to begin is, well, well it's any, mini, miny, mo between Eris conjunct the North Node for two months or Pluto that's always squaring the nodes as it is because of its position. It's a little wider at times, but it's squaring a heap of other planets at the same time. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this, in looking at the first eclipse that we have coming up, right, which is the solar eclipse. So solar eclipses, right, are also always new moons, right? That, so to, and, and then, right, so then we can see in the chart, right, so it's only three degrees and change, almost four degrees away from the south node. So I also think in addition to when we look at the, the sign or the aspects that are happening with an eclipse to also be cognizant of what node is being highlighted, right? Because is it south node, which is in this case more about the past and what has what's not complete versus when we, a north node, which is much more forward thinking, whether it's a solar or a lunar eclipse. Um, and so that's part of this energy. And it's just sort of on the heels of so much of the sky being retrograde that there is still more of this internal reflective energy that the retrogrades tend to usher in that some of this eclipse, I think, may be echoing. Um, and that Libran partnership, equanimity, fairness, all those archetypes we associate with Libra, that what is um, and our relationship with those things in the past and where have we not been fair where we thought we were and how and the resolution 
what to, or to ourselves or to others, right? That's the big shadow of Libra is that overgiving often, mm. right? Self-sacrifice. And so we're bringing that into better balance, um, depending on where that falls in your individual chart, right? That that'll, that how much you're impacted by that will vary. Uh, and looking at and then there's the whole looking at the things globally, but yeah, Rick, did you have? Yeah, I think, I think that you hit on something extremely important and that is the fabric of the cosmic energy in which these two eclipses occur. And, and, and I think what's significant is that throughout the entire month of October, uh, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, and Chiron, uh, and Eris are all, for all practical purposes, stationary all month. I know technically... They're still retrograde until the 10th of October when uh, Pluto turns direct and begins the direct parade over the next few months of the outer planets. But there is almost no movement in any of the outer planets uh, throughout the entire month. Meanwhile, we have Mercury traveling twice as fast as the sun this month, moving almost two degrees a day. Venus is out of her shadow. It's mo she's moving fast. Mars is moving fast. And so it seems like there's a lot going on. It's, it's one of the noisiest months I've ever seen because the inner planets are moving so quickly. And yet under the rapids and, and um, rough seas that are on the surface, once you get below the surface, nothing's happening. And so from that standpoint, there's a lot of disjoint energy because we're all trying to figure out how to keep up with our lives, which are so crazy and so busy, and yet it doesn't seem like we're making any progress. Now, into this comes this first of the two eclipses, and um, and I think you hit on the important things that it's a south node eclipse. Um, it's in Libra, so it's partnership related. Um, but but I think another thing that is absolutely significant here is the fact that this eclipse is very close to being a quincunx to Uranus. Um, and that quincunx is um, five-twelfths of a circle. It's an aspect that's it's, it's disjointed again. It's irritating. It, it's hard to find our mark. Ptolemy said that planets that were one sign away from being opposite each other, the eclipses in Libra, the opposite is, is Aries. One sign away would be Taurus, that Uranus is exactly, um, well, within a degree, 150 degrees from the eclipse. And it just shows how, we're ha we, how it's almost impossible to integrate all this energy. Something isn't feeling right. The other side of the coin here is that Mars is flying ahead of the Libra pack. And and as it moved um, just prior to this eclipse into Scorpio, Mars is saying, I'm done with the diplomacy. No more Mr. Nice Guy. I'm going to act on my passions instead of trying to make them all smooth and okay. And thankfully, Mars is still within orb of trining Saturn, which actually is almost like an ameliorating or opposite factor. So on one hand, we have this erratic Uranian crazy wild card energy. And on the other hand, we have this, yes, but if we can get through the noise and get beneath the surface tensions, we can find a place that has stability and actually can build on it. So I think that's the underlying message of, of this eclipse.
you can't we can't sue you're somehow muted um, oh yeah i did that for i was saying yes it is a deep dive it's somehow looking at that neptune to just go down below like a like a whale or something and just sort of swim along to manage all that it's really true there's a it reminds me too do you ever did you ever read that little story oh gosh what is it the young the prince it was about a kid on a planet and he's out there the in little, space. The little prince? The little prince, yeah. And so he's standing there all by himself, this little kid on this, I mean, this big kid on this little planet, wondering uh, where he's going. And I'm not sure if that's all what the book's about, but I sort of lived with that in my consciousness as a child. And it comes to mind where we're the Earth spinning through space, a lot's happening, but what's happening personally, trying to shuffle and get things ready. Yes, Laura. Oh, we well, just thinking, you know, reflecting the little prince, right? And the whole piece of it is his, his rose that he tries to protect. And that is that oh. Venusian energy. And then we have the Libra eclipse. So maybe that's unconsciously bleeding through for you, with you. the little prince. Thank and his, that Saturn that's protective, protecting, protecting the rose or that. Um, and maybe, you know, the, the, some of the benefit of that Mars being in Scorpio is being able to act on some of the changes, right? That have been with it all of, with most of the sky being retrograde throughout September, right? Being really hard with even the personal planets to get traction and, and having, if with this, the trine with Saturn, it's like, well, when our actions have that deeper meaning to them, that they're not surface level, then we can be proactive. It's if it's trying to be, skate the surface and and that social air energy, then we're not productive. But if there's depth to what we're doing, then we're able to get traction. Um, and I think too, you know, it's a little wide, but that Mercury is part of this, right? Too, with the eclipse. And so giving language, communication, how are we communicating what we want, right? With this Libran theme of the Libra, energy with the eclipse. Yeah, the Mercury connection is actually quite important because it is uh, within a half a degree of opposition to Chiron, and yeah. that's just another muddling factor. We think that our words are going to fix things and heal things, and yet what happens with the Mercury opposition to Chiron is we say something that we think is about healing or forgiveness or whatever, and it just stirs up more shit. And it becomes more problematic than if we hadn't said anything at all. And, you know, and not to confuse the issue completely, it's also quite significant that the Libran cluster um, is a half of a square to Venus, which in turn is a square and a half to the Aries, to the um, uh, Chiron Eris North Node, which in turn is a half square to Saturn, which in turn is a square and a half back to the eclipse. And so we have this packaging of this motivational stress that is that is encouraging us. No, it's more than it's requiring us to speak up. That's back to what Laura said about the Mercury. And yet in speaking up, we may actually stir up more than we intend. This is so pivotal. I appreciate both of your insightful laser vision because it, thinking of Mars in Scorpio, the depth, the psychology down to the root of the pain, you might say, well, not just that, but Chiron, being a witness is often so important. 
And in that communication, it maybe it really is expanding on those other terms of what communication involves, not just words and thoughts and ideas, but it's the feeling and the grit and the, and the depth. Because, yeah, good. Point. Well, and, and I think even just that, I mean, to speak of what Rick was talking about of with that Mercury and Libra, right? That I, is it helpful? Is it kind with what you're going to say? Right. And the Mars doesn't give a. Yeah, the, the motive. Mar yeah, the the Mars. Oh no! Oh, we just lost Rick. <laughs> I know he'll come back. Oh, here he comes ah, back. There you are. That was an eclipse. Go ahead, Rick. We're listening. Mar Mars is it's basically buffering. So, ah. um, Mars is basically yeah, so that Mercury being part of that. Oh. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah I can hear you. Yeah, Mars is basically saying no more nice, no more Mister Nice Guy. I'm tired of of acting diplomatically while the eclipse and Mercury are still talking, you know, trying to make it right. Mars, on the other hand, is basically taking real action. And Mars is saying, I'm done being nice. You know, if if I hate you, I'm ready to hurt you. If I if I like you, I'm ready to love you. It's wanting to follow its passion. And because of its trying to Saturn, it's doing it in a way that's real. And in some ways, I think that is going to overpower um, that Libran energy, uh, uh, because Mars is, you know, Mars has some staying power right now that it didn't have. I mean, it's it's like in a way, the eclipse is suggesting that verbally we can be the strategic, you know, diplomat, but in energy, <laughs> we're taking care of business. Sure, yeah, it's 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 not necessarily it's a do as I say, not as I do, sort of energy, right? Um, well, actually, I, actually, that is the saying, but I think the real message here is the opposite. Right. It, yeah. it's, it's don't listen to what I'm saying. Pay attention to what I'm doing. Yes. Because yeah. the two might not be the same, uh, you ah. know. Yeah. Yeah. And that may be part of particularly with it then being the eclipsed energy. Right. Is is and lends more to did that misunderstanding of what we're intending to say that we think is helpful, but then is wounding because of the Chiron, that not actually and, understanding how what we're saying is received. And the other part of this coin is remembering what is this eclipse about? Libra. And what is Libra? Well, the shadow is projection. The shadow is giving to the other so much that you forget what you really want. So therefore, your motives get a little bit mixed up. And that's what I think a lot of this is about, is like painfully or right, realizing how are you really feeling? What are you really wanting to, to voice, to be? Because again, it involves that Jupiter that is about your values. It all goes back to Venus too a bit. You know, she is not always the let's have candies and roses. Well, especially because she's coming out of an opposition to Saturn that is still functioning. I mean, again, when I look at an eclipse, I'm always looking at what's the energy coming into it and going out of it. And coming into this, we have Mars um, having been at the last degrees of Libra squaring Pluto. And later in the month, we'll have both the, um, the Sun and Mercury uh, as they join up, as they can join later in the month, they'll be squaring Pluto. And we have that Venus moving through the opposition to Saturn. And it's like, this is not a comfortable month. And again, I come back to the point that even though we're driven um, to resolve or ameliorate our discomforts, the deeper level stuff ain't changing. 
<laughs> there's you know it's going to take till um, till uh, November, December, January, February of next year for us to see what we've really done here in October. I am the the stage is on the curtains are falling <laughs> the, the 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 different scenes are happening it's so true and today as of the first i know we don't have this and we're not looking at it but hamea has just re-entered scorpio again there's a whole exterior well resolution of adjustments happening am i Getting weird on the sound. It's a little echoey, but. Oh, yeah, I thought so. But meaning, as far as the backdrop ahead, like as of today, which is prior to that, there's this tenuous, I'm looking for my chart. Here we are. I thought it was about another talk, and I focused on it. It was like, gee whiz. So there's, we're right in the process now of, of this intense well when Hamea is that right no this is November 30th okay I'm gonna just leave there let's look backwards and forwards that's what we're doing okay go ahead well yeah and I think I mean to some extent I think with eclipses in general I've always felt like there's always a little bit of a right we get that six month period Mm. of what gets really revealed right so we get the new moon in Libra well it's not till we're in Aries that maybe what was what is not seen, what's eclipsed in October for us gets revealed come March, right? And and eclipses both reveal and and eclipse things, right? It's a combination. So some stuff gets revealed to us that was going on six months ago. And then there's other stuff that is in that sort of underworld that will come clear to us or even, you know, some of the piece you were speaking to, Rick, in terms of what our words are saying and, and it landing differently than we intend, we the full breadth of that may even take some time to unpack or to really understand the implications. Yeah. Um, and seeing that rather than it being immediate, as much as Mars is a big player in this, we're dealing well, with Chiron and Aries. I got to jump. That, yeah. But, but you know what? Mars is pivotal. It rules. The North Node. I just realized that. That's my, I'm having a nodal return. This is like all my history blooming in front of my face. And, you know, and the fact is Mars matters here. I heap, besides being connected with the South, which is saying, hey, let's undig it. Let's just clear it. Let's make it work. Let's have your partnerships happen in such a way that you're not struggling with mixed up other things that all may be true but remember that mars is still within range of its square to pluto and that's Mm. not necessarily you know mars is getting strength from its trying to saturn but it's not able to fully be in its passion it 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 it, there's some self-control involved and i think part of that self-control um is because uh, it's it's hurting from its encounter to pluto um Mm. which basically is revealing a deeper power structure, uh, authority, fascism, control that even Saturn has to serve. And so I don't think that Mars is quite as free as we would like it to be, even though it's moving from or moved from its Venus, you know, rule place in Libra into its own domicile, its own home in, in Scorpio. I mean, it's strong. I'm not disagreeing with you, um, Sue, but 
it's oh, I like it. I thank you. And I had realized because we do have a break, and and no, all of this is illuminating. The solar eclipse begins in Oregon and it goes right down all these states of Oregon, California, Nevada, Utah, Arizona, Colorado, and Texas into Mexico, Central America, and Northern Mm -hmm. South America. Because I know that a friend of ours mutually is going down to Oregon. Okay, and here, we'll come back on this. We'll look at this briefly because we want to look at the lunar. All right, folks, I think we have time to cut away and come back. This is Plant Buzz about the eclipses with Rick Levine and Dr. Laura Tad. So thank you. We'll be right back. While we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the Yang period of Libra, ruled duly by Venus. By leaving the lower hemisphere of the self, the energy of Libra enters the arena where the completed self meets the other-than-self to form a relationship based on partnership. As a cardinal air sign on the descendant angle, represented by the equinox of equal light, Libra's energy learns through comparison and relationships with the intention to integrate duality and polarities. This is Martha Nurwak. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the Ananda Institute of Living Yoga, we cover the world of animals. This week, October 8th, it's best neuroenergetic balancing, Rasmussen Reset, and Energy Code Sunday on Animal World. Dr. Nels Rasmussen and Sister Linda Rasmussen join us, and together they can help you or your animal friends with emotional, behavioral, or physical issues. So plan to join us and call in for your free remote treatments. Martha Nurwak's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Talk Cosmos brings you leading-edge astrological conversations with hour-long programs each week on KKNW. The show goes live every Sunday from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific. Talk Cosmos weekly programs are also available to watch live on Facebook and YouTube, along with daily chats throughout the week on the Talk Cosmos YouTube channel. While you're there, make sure you click like and subscribe buttons so you can get the full Talk Cosmos experience. Or, if you'd rather listen to the show archives with audio only, the entire podcast collection since 2018 is available on most podcast carriers. So, grab your coffee, tea, or kombucha and enjoy the show. Conversation you won't find on the rest of the dial. Alternative Talk 1150. Okay, now before we get into this, well, let's see, we'll get this really quick because then I want you both to share a little bit about your retreats, which is, I apologize, this is big subject perhaps, is the United States of America, and what I did was, oh, rats, you can't hear me? What's happening? No, yeah, you're you good. Hear me. Oh, okay, well, there, I just went away. We're good. All right. <laughs> so, if we... If you have some thoughts or not, but hey, let's think about just Mars. Maybe that's the whole afterthought. Because in astrology, we have different systems of measurements and the solar arc for every year moving the entire chart one degree. I like when it connects. It has significance. Here we have USA Sibley chart. There's many charts, but we all celebrate 4th of July. 
So we're looking at the revolutionary chart. And Sibley is pretty common. It's been rect rectified by Dane Ruchar, and there's many other hours that it could have been. Many, I would say like three at least. But this one's 510 in the evening. So on the outside is, as of to yesterday or soon, it was the solar arc, which holds because of its one degree for a whole year. And then the eclipse, what we're talking about. And what I noticed was on the eclipse moment that there's these different real strengths that all go back to what we were talking about, Mars and Pluto, don't they? And Saturn. So this is the, should be the, okay, yeah, sorry. I'm trying to. Yeah. And so without really unpacking this further, because we haven't even gotten into the lunar one, which we all know is has its strengths. But for instance, our natal Mars, I don't know why I'm echoing, sorry about that, at 21 mm -hmm. Gemini, happens to be a pro, now in a solar arc, it won't be this year, it's going to be in a year, but it's going to, Saturn's going to conjunct it. There's going to be a level, leveling mm -hmm. of essential motivation in a year. That's one way to look at it. I'm thinking VA, vibrational astrology, has succinct ways of focusing on energies. And then there's also, interestingly, look at that. Both Mars, the energetic connection with the moon. And you could look at that. Yes, it energizes it, but maybe it cuts the story. Maybe it says we're taking a new story. Because the eclipse Mars is on our, and again, it'll be a on year from arc. now on the solar on the arcs. Arc so that's moon. it. Within, we're kind of approaching that energy that we're leading up into. And then, but right now, the solar arc Mars is smack dab. Well, I haven't looked at the degrees. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. in two months. It's right on our. Just about when Congress, not to get political, but should decide once and for all, maybe whether we're going to be a country and be supported. Yes, financially. But. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just it to me, it's echoing the theme of how important Mars is with this particular eclipse. Right. Good. So we can maybe because it's a lot to unpack and, um, and it tiny is, but to read. Um, so but it, it's just echoing right they talk often we talk amazingly about astrology yeah. of the rule of three right of looking for things mm. patterns thematic things to show up multiple times um and so just the the prevalence of mars with these different charts um and so that action oriented or not able to take action wanting uh, trying to take action and not the drive the drive and motivation yep well but also i think the challenge to get your Footing almost right. Absolutely no. I, just because you have drive and no motivation doesn't necessarily mean it's accomplished. That's the frustration sometimes. We we know that, and we've also yes, a lot of words here. Yes, but Rick, yeah, we, I mean, I think you have a yeah, word before we go on to the next slide. And thank you, Laura. Yes, that was no. Yes. I I think it shows uh, clearly is, and I think that that rule of three is basically corroboration. I mean, it's the more something is said, the more important it may be. And here, once again, we're just getting that mixed message of Mars. On one hand, you know, it's important, Mars moon um, in both directions. 
And on the other hand, it's being restrained, the Saturn Mars. You know, yeah. so it, 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 it's basically giving us the same message in a different language. Yeah, we're making new stories. Thank yeah. you both. Here, now we're getting to the meat of the after the break. And that is, oh, rats, you know, my system doesn't understand how it translates into StreamYard. I put it on Zoom. Is it Zoom? Yeah. So pardon me. But I thought these slides would help because after the half hour, I always ask, the panelists, what's happening? And I know, Rick, you've got two retreats. So in a nutshell, we'll do this one and the next, and then we'll go to Laura. Well, very quickly, this is at the Omega Institute outside of New York, and I'm teaming up with the lovely Rachel Lang, and that is actually in a, um, you know, two weeks, uh, actually uh, two weeks from today, um, and it's at the time of the eclipse. So we will be um, experiencing the Venus moving out of its shadow and feeling the eclipse. It's an amazing place, and there's still some room. It'll be a relatively small group, a lot of ritual and you know personal work around Venus. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's in New York in the Reinhardt, the Rhinebeck. Okay. Yeah, it's about, and then, about an hour and a half or two north of New York City. And this one, this is exciting. This is India. Oh, this is the second time I'll be back at the same place in Goa, um, it's at an Ayurvedic uh, retreat center, healing spa, and it's a very magical place. It's on the south end of Goa, which is uh, tropical and gorgeous. The beaches are amazing, and it'll be a 10-day retreat. Uh, we're taking over the whole facility. Uh, we already have about 40 people who are attending, so it's going to be a really good group. Um, and if anyone's interesting, they should interested in this, they should go to heavenandearthworkshops.com. Um, and the rest of that is not a complete link, but heavenandearthworkshops.com. There's a day-by-day -day curriculum and activities. It's an amazing uh, place, and it's being produced uh, by Heaven and Earth Workshops, and from the moment you step off the plane to the moment you get back on the plane, pretty much everything's taken care of. So um, if you're yes. interested, check that out quickly because it will fill up in the next week or so, I'm sure. That's exciting. Laura, you have now here. I, I apologize, my yeah. lungs are kind of mixed well, up. Well, it's hard to and there's read. no yeah. But go ahead. Um, but so yeah, I'll be co-facilitating. So I this past February, I um, helped run a retreat with a dear friend of mine, um, the Goddess Awakening retreat. We're doing in uh, Nicaragua. We're doing that again, um, and it's as it says here, it's just on the Costa Rican border. So you can either fly into Liberia, and we set up taxis to get you into Nicaragua or you can fly into Managua. Um, it's a lot more direct flights from the States to Costa Rica. So it's a little easier flight, even though it's a little more complicated crossing because you've got to literally walk across the Costa Rican Nicaraguan border. There's about two blocks of no man's land that you got to walk across. Um, but it's like literally on the beach. It's right by a, a turtle sanctuary. We get to see baby turtles released Aww. into the sea. Um, and yoga every morning, and I do some astrology and different myth work and processing work. So this particular one's all women. Um, we're working on one that might be the week before that will just be a healing retreat. Um, she's building a retreat Excellent. center on the beach. Yeah. So in the future, we'll have our own. We won't just have Airbnb houses that we're renting out, but we'll have our own retreat center. Um, and well, I'll have more info on my website soon. We're still 
she doesn't have it on her website yet, so I've got to wait for that link. So to email. People will email yeah. Laura, which is, and I had it there, but it's Laura at Mythic Sky, and you can always go to Talk Cosmos, find out all about our panelists, and thank you. It'll be great summer times for both of you that are in the Northwest up there where it's a little colder. Two types of eclipses. This is the lunar eclipse. Earth comes between it obscures the full moon at night. So instead of a full moon, you don't, it, 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 it blocks it. Yeah, Actually, it, it's in the shadow of it. And I, I don't want to, I want to get to the chart here. So go ahead if you have something. To oh, help. It, it, it just, it, we, it's a new moon and full moon simultaneously, basically. Yep, Exactly. So here we will pass this, but if anybody wants to go to NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center, it is a fascinating animation that's just been updated, very powerful and fun. And meanwhile, we're having a partial lunar eclipse. They're attached to sorrow cycles, these larger cycles, it's 1200 years. And it's pretty early in the cycle. And it it will be on October 28th. There's a whole list of when it starts and when it begins. It's not an immediate process. It'll be 265 minutes. You divide that. That's about four hours, actually. A long time, it seems like. But it's waiting. It's like, oh, I see it happening. Oh, it's there. It lasts a while, and then it goes away. So you can see that. In the Eastern Americas, very slightly, and then other parts of the world, Europe, Asia, Africa, Australia. Here we are. It's a lot, again, on this screen. I think the next screen is empty if we want to go to that one. But Pluto staying the course, squaring 90 degrees in this toggle between are we, how are we redoing the past? How are we going to the future? It's our relationships. Mercury changed signs. But you know, yeah, so now Mercury is with Mars. And that stellium in Scorpio that, let's get, like Rick was mentioning, of uh, no prisoners held or maybe... I'm not and sure. not only is Mercury with Mars, but at the time of the eclipse, they're both... Uh, very, very close to opposition to Jupiter, which is really the story of this eclipse. Yeah, ah, I'd love to hear it. Thank you. Well, you know, we, I mean, we have the Sun, Mercury, and Mars kind of all together in Scorpio, opposing uh, or being opposed by the uh, eclipsing or the eclipsed uh, full moon that's approaching Jupiter. And so, again, we're at this polarity, but unlike the previous one, this polarity is more about resources and more about the complexity of who owns what. And, and that's not just physical material things, Taurus. It's also the metaphysical things of, of Scorpio that pull us out of our Taurian comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, when I first mm -hmm. saw the chart, I was, I was like, wow, okay, that's not a subtle eclipse was my first reaction to the chart. Um, and it's interesting that in different ways, right, Mercury is in play with this eclipse as well, right? It's a five degree orb 
from the sun, but it's Mercury's now on the other side of the sun and in a different sign. But well, it, and the sun is in is in Mars' home sign, and it's Mercury very closely conjunct with Mars. So, yeah, what you're saying yeah. is absolutely true. And and so this is still very much linked to the power of like Mercury conjunct Mars and Scorpio. Even if we weren't dealing with an eclipse, that's a powerful voice. Cut to the chase. It says, yeah. <laughs> um, well, and and could be very cruel. Right. That's that, that well, biting that part of Scorpio. Too. Can be. Right. When that aggravated. Yep. Not, you know, doesn't mince words, very biting, that pinching Scorpio, stinging Scorpio, I will hurt you before you hurt me. Energy potentially. And finish it off. Right. Um, it, it's it's an intense, it'll be an intense eclipse. So I, I think part of the problem with this eclipse is the Mercury conjoining Mars gives uh uh, assertion, aggression, direction to our uh, passions in Scorpio, to our words, Mercury. And in opposition to Jupiter, remember, Jupiter is a magnifying lens. And yeah. so, um, and, and the moon approaching Jupiter, we're going to get, I mean, this is an ideal aspect if you're heading out to the playing field uh, in a game of football or or even tennis or or even chess. I mean, it's 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 about the, the power of, and the intensity of engaging and wanting to uh, succeed or survive or win. The problem with this is that because Jupiter exacerbates and over amplifies that tendency to speak our peace, um, the Mercury Mars, the problem here is that the Mercury Mars is very closely square and a half. That's a sesquisquare to Neptune, in turn, the eclipse is a half square, the moon is a half square to Neptune, which means that we can be all excited, amped up, speaking our passion and go out to win the game, but we're playing the wrong damn game. <laughs> you know, Big and problem. so it's really important that we ground ourselves because we're going to be over amping and excited and 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 our words are going to express it. And, and all of that's wonderful, um, but I can be on the wrong playing field expressing myself in a totally, you know, wrong environment unless I, I pay attention to that Neptune. That's very strong. Rick, you taught ourselves a new aspect in January. It was the point of Thales. And Laura brought it up that, hey, here it is. Meaning well, that when we looked it up, that it's a good negotiator. Yeah, go ahead, Laura. Well, I, it was just because, yeah, one of your talks you had talked about. It was January, yeah. Well, no, 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 it wasn't no. for, it was his own show. Here, very simply, whenever there's an opposition, there's a tug of war. That's what an opposition is. It, it's tension, not compression. Uh, tug of war, opposition, that's why we... That's why oppositions are often relational, because when there's things pulled in tension, um, we can't go both ways. We go one way and the other then becomes projected. But there's a point whenever there's an opposition, there is a point. There's actually four points that are trying one side of the opposition and sextile the other. And that's a natural release energy named after the Greek mathematician philosopher Thales. However, there's another point when there's an opposition that is actually, um, I, I call it the, the point of Thor, because it's a half square to one side of the opposition. 
and a square and a half to the other side. Mm-hmm. And that's where Neptune is on this. And when you have planets that are at that point of Thor, unlike the point of Thales, which which ameliorates and gives room for expression, um, which is where Juno is. I know that's where you were going with this, um, uh, Sue. Yeah. But ne- the, the, the point of Thales is a release point. The point of Thor is actually more difficult even than a T-square where you have a planet that's 90 degrees to both sides. Mm. So Neptune is at that exacerbating point stirring things up while Juno is at the point of Thales, which is basically um, relating back to that concept of, you know, doing our job and, you know, kind of, you know, being, you know, the, the good camper, the good wife, the good German, the whatever it is, kind of just, you know, acknowledging all the things that are wrong out there in the world, but just showing up and doing what we need to to get by. Um, yeah, well, and I, so that June was there, but it was also interesting to me that Venus in the, in the solar eclipse is at five Virgo. So, or is it five? Yeah. Virgo. So she was, she was at the point of Thales for this, for the following eclipse. Right. Um, so part of your, what you were talking about, of always looking at eclipses, what's the entry, right? What's going on prior to it, that it, it was interesting that she's such a dominant player archetypally with both eclipses because of oh, yeah. being a Libra Taurus eclipse. And then she becomes a significant uh, point in both charts as well. Um, and, and so, yeah, what do, in that, just echoing back into the, what do we really want? How to, and if, how are we going, if the way in which we are going about it isn't, doesn't actually yield the results that we're wanting because some things aren't clear because it's an eclipse, not all the data is in, right? And so um, there, think the actual results of what we're going after or the motivations of why we're going after something is eluding us. And it may take some time to fully unpack that or get even the self-awareness of what some of these shifts are about for us. Um, and... Yeah, and and Neptune just adds to that lack of clarity, right? Neptune, I I often describe to clients what that sort of shadow part of Neptune is like when you're a little kid and you would lie at the bottom of a bathtub and look up through the water and everything was, you know, we had a clawfoot tub when I was a kid. So it would be really echoey because of the metal because it was a cast iron tub. And so it would distort sound um really intensely and so i always think of sort of an out of balance neptune is that experience that sensation that could potentially be part of this eclipse energy yeah well said and the flip side of that is that if we can figure out a way to work with the neptune it it also indicates that that incorporating some sense of imagination or spirituality actually can be helpful but again the problem here is confusing that imagination and or spiritual perception with the mundane events in the real world. That becomes the, uh, you know, the uh, annoying, the more than annoying, the uh, problematic part of this eclipse. Yeah. Or, and that, you know, um, my mom, I think it's an Arab quote, you know, that's my mom uses a lot with clients. It's trust God, but tie your camel. <laughs> <laughs> Well, right? yeah, they can have that trust. That Especially spirit. in 
relationships, which again, the nodes are all about, it's not just ourselves, it's these other people. And as we know, the universe reflects where we're at, at some degree, of a huge degree, right? Depending on how clear we are and or unclear, like you're saying, are we in the tub or on top of the tub? Meaning that it it is, it, it, but I love this idea that the universe, in my estimation, is saying, hey, here's another chance. You can get more close to that internal flame, that burning light inside that's showing you where the crap, how to follow your path because of what you're getting outside. And there's a yod, too. I happen to touch it here. Let's see, where are we? We're there and we're here. Oh, and this one is just a little bit more. I don't know if we really want that one with all those extra uh, aspects or not. But where was I seeing this with the... Okay. Yeah, Venus. Good old Venus is at 18 degrees and quincunx Chiron here at 16. And did I get this mixed up? Yeah, I think I did. You know what? It was late. I'm looking down here. Never mind again. Gee, it's one big never mind. Okay. I hope I'm listening more than talking. Sue, Venus is sextile to Ceres, which are both quincunx to Chiron. That's the odd. That's the odd. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I was wondering, where is, how come I can't see Ceres? And so that's interesting, just in terms of echoing the prior eclipse, right? And the role that... Chiron is playing, but Quincunx is having that, or that the Yods, um, you don't really know what they're about, right? It's two, in two ways, Chiron is in conversation with archetypes or bodies that they're, they're not argumentative. They just, they're speaking two different languages, basically, is part of that, that in conjunctor Quincunx energy. It's just, they don't understand each other, and yet they're trying to talk. There is Ceres up there hanging out with his buddies down below in Scorpio. So here we have Virgo, Venus that can fix it, manage, look at how to get the details, and dealing with where's my grief, which can be with Scorpio pretty overwhelming, and or how to nurture myself. Meanwhile, looking at what healing, like how do I get out of my self-identity in Aries to manage to use this because there's other people in the same boat. Maybe they need an oar. Well, (laughs) are we in the boat? (laughs) We're handing out oars now. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Laura. Yeah. Our pleasure. Glad to be be here soon. Yeah, it's really a treat. And um, there are other uh, show these, and I guess we'll get rid of all those so we can see our little faces all together, all three of us. How grand. Retreats coming up uh, and stages that are like strobe lights coming on and coming off with our hearts and our minds. (laughs) Okay. Let's see. Come up the other side. Yeah, happy diving and and keep in touch. You know, it's always like, hey, this is okay. All right. Blessings to all you there that come in talking with us. 
Thank you for joining us on Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests connect soul growth patterns with the energetic cycles of astrology. Be sure to tune in next Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time to continue your journey through the roots of the cosmic pathway. 